This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 11th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Some recent news reports claim that favoritism and political jockeying are what has driven the federal government's distribution of vital relief supplies during this pandemic, masks, personal protective equipment, ventilators, and other items. To the extent those awful claims are true, it's nothing new. Economist Steve Horowitz is co-author of a new piece in Regulation examining past cases where political expedience trumped the needs of states. There has been a concern that President Trump, uh, in dealing with this pandemic, would be the one to take resources out of politically disadvantageous places, such as New York, where he is unlikely to receive any electoral votes, and uh, move them to places where he might well be benefited politically by moving things like ventilators or PPP, PPE into uh, those places. Um, Have we seen any evidence of that before we get started into uh, what we're talking about here today? Well, there's some evidence of this, I think, in in two ways. One, you've got some governors like Governor Whitmer in, in Michigan complaining uh, that that they aren't getting their fair share of uh, of, of resources, and uh, and if you've you know been following the Detroit area, has been hit pretty hard by this. Uh, uh, certainly not as bad as New York or some other places, but but so you know th- she got a legitimate concern there. So that's one kind of bit of evidence. The other kind of evidence we have is sort of where some of the small business relief and so on has gone. And if you look there, there's some preliminary evidence that states in the Midwest that have been Trump-supporting states have seen uh, resources come their way that are uh, that have enabled them to cover a greater share of payroll than, say, New York and California. So again, it's we we don't we don't know for sure that this is an intentional strategy on the part of the Trump administration, but but um, you know there's evidence that it might be and. And there's a long history of politicians doing precisely this. So it wouldn't surprise me and shouldn't surprise anyone if, in fact, that's what Trump is doing. Yeah. And and before we get into this, um, it's worth priming the brains of listeners with the notion that, well, governments, they kind of have to operate this way in a sense. That is, the, the products that they're distributing they're not bidding against often they're not bidding against each other to get them it's a single entity that is uh trying to make these distributions possible right and and there's no there's no market price here so one way to think about it is is how do you distribute if you're if you're political actors and you are no more or less self-interested than economic, than market actors would be how do you distribute these resources in a way that is profitable in some sense of that that term right i mean you know you, you at one level you got to decide clearly you know new york city needs resources in terms of of the impact the disease has had there but at the same time you're not going to just throw resources the opportunity to use these resources in a way that 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 enable you to get more votes or to get more support it's hard to imagine throwing that opportunity away when it's when it so obviously presents itself so whether or not it, it, it is borne out by uh, evidence over time that the Trump administration has actually been doing this, it would not be unprecedented. Um, and if you study public choice, it's not really surprising. Right. 
uh, bo- both of those, right? Theoretically, we know it's not surprising. Um, again, if as long as we make the assumption that political actors are 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 the uh, you know with assumption of what we call behavioral symmetry, that be that political actors are no more or less self interested uh, or or not self interested than our economic actors. If we think people in the marketplace try to allocate their resources in ways that enhance their well-being as they perceive it, we shouldn't be surprised to see political actors doing the same thing and serving serving their own interests. Whether whether it's searching for votes, whether it's searching for res- you know budgetary resources or power, or whatever it might be, there's all kinds of ways in which and voters do it too. Of course, right? We we vote based on on our self-interest to some degree. So theoretically, it shouldn't surprise us. And yeah, uh, historically. Plenty of evidence. We we have studies going at least back to the New Deal that indicate um, that we've, we've seen this kind of uh, behavior by by politicians uh, for a long time. And uh, so, from the New Deal to disaster declarations, uh, and even as recent as the swine flu, uh, we see evidence of politicians making political hay during a disaster. Yeah, I mean, so just to th- just to look at the New Deal, there's been several studies that looked at different aspects of this. The sort of most famous one by Gavin Wright uh, did very sort of simple statistical analysis and 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 found that the sort of per capita proportion of aid that went to states uh, in the Western U.S. was much greater than went to states in the South under Roosevelt. Why would that be? Well, Roosevelt had the South pretty much locked up. By the time the sort of Great Depression was was well underway, uh, he didn't need to, as it were, buy votes there with resources. On the other hand, the variability of votes for Democrats in the West was much greater, and so the idea that that moving resources to the Western states and making sure they were well taken care of uh, uh, during the during the Great Depression and, and the New Deal makes sense politically if, if you're the Roosevelt administration. Uh, that you know. There's that's part of a larger story, of course, that that people don't always like to talk about about Roosevelt, how the strategies that Roosevelt used to get himself reelected, and how much the 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 policies he adopted in 1935 and, and early 36 were really about getting reelected and not so much about dealing with the Great Depression. And this this fits into that story too, right? Here he is with with the sort of aid um, that that you know could go anywhere, and the aid winds up going to places where he, he stands to benefit the most politically. So what about the swine flu? What what did we see there? A little more subtle with the swine flu. Uh, the study by by Matt Ryan is the one that, that people uh, talk about the most. And there it was about the distribution of the vaccine. And the, uh, the vaccine went disproportionately to states that had more Democratic members on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which was in charge of distributing or you know overseeing this this process, uh, they're they're the ones that have authority over health and human services. So the more Democratic members you had in there, the more likely you were to have, again, measured out per capita, everything have have vaccines coming your way. So again, that suggests that that people in a, in positions of power were were able to steer resources toward their constituents in, in ways that benefited them politically, even if that wasn't, you know, scientifically or medically the, the ideal distribution of, of resources. And yet, if you listen to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, 
uh, and others when they talk about the distribution of these vital uh, medical equipment from uh, either the federal government or between among states or from manufacturers to this state or that state, uh, he wanted us to to get into some sort of cartel, uh, a consortium, a a committee to make decisions about where all these vital resources would go. And uh, his, if I recall correctly, he said something to the effect of, we can't have states bidding against other states. And my, my first thought was, well, how else are you going to get more production in these, in these vital areas? Yeah. And, and it's complicated, right? Because you, 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 want, you want some way of expressing the intensity with which people need those resources, right? And bidding does that. If, if we have states, you know, really uh, uh, trying to find ways to, to persuade the federal government or whomever uh, that, that, that these resources are desperately needed here as opposed to over there. In the marketplace, that's what prices do, right? Our willingness to pay high prices for goods indicates how the intensity with which we think we need those, those goods. And there's not a clear way to show that when the resources are being distributed within the, within the realm of government, you know, the, itself. So federal government's got all these resources it wants to distribute. How do you decide where they should go? You, you can you can have the the bidding war in some sense, but it's never going to be like a market. It's never going to express and what you know what exactly are you spending and bidding and and what does he mean by that? Uh, the the challenge for for political actors is how do you decide, right? I mean, you know that New York City is getting hammered by this thing, and so it seems like medically, uh, New York City should get a, 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 a beyond the sort of you know even if we looked at population. Even beyond that, it should be getting its 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 more than its fair share, as it were, of those resources. But again, the question is, what ensures that political actors will allocate resources in the optimal way? Right. That's that's really the question here, especially when the optimal allocation of resources by some external criterion, whether it's medical need or whatever, is not going to align with their own self interest. How do you, you know, something's got to give there, either. Either they stop acting in their self-interest, and we normally don't think of politicians as doing that very easily, or they're not going to allocate those resources uh, in accordance with what what makes the most sense medically, and that's that's the dilemma we face. I've seen some discussion uh, online about this and uh, the notion that a whole lot of this equipment, the the absolute necessity for it, uh, may very well be short run. And then producers in that very short run aren't necessarily going to be incentivized properly to uh, amp up production or shift production from one kind of product uh, to another. Yeah. Again, always a challenge to sort of change over your capital equipment in a way that to produce something new that you suspect will be only for the short run. I mean, that's going to that's costly from the producer's perspective, and you're, you're likely to see that in the in the price of the of the good or, or service that we're talking about. So, so again, our, you know, uh, that said, we've seen a lot of one of the great stories of this is is how much the private sector has flipped over. You know, I mean, the classic story is the the, the distilleries now producing hand sanitizer, but we've seen plenty of other examples of this where the private sector has moved before they were told. I mean, seeing Ford and GE 
producing ventilators and things like this. You know, people say, well, it's just like World War II where we had to turn everything over and make tanks and airplanes. Big difference. And the difference was during World War II, government said, you will do this, right? And, and, and you will do it now. Here, it's, it's been the reverse. It's been these companies seeing this opportunity and, and, and moving forward with it before anyone told them they had to. And I think there's a really, there, there will be really good stories to be told when this is all said and done about how the private sector responded. I would say, by the way, the nearest comparison we have is to Hurricane Katrina and uh, you know much smaller scale and different problems, but but certainly the way in which we saw the response of the private sector and civil society there. I think we've seen many of the same things happen here in, in, in some of the same ways. Steve Horowitz is a distinguished professor of free enterprise at Ball State University. His upcoming regulation piece is The Politicization of Disaster Relief. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 